The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome back to Afternoons with Mike Heard daily at this time here on the Shepherd Radio Network from Gainesville down to Ocala. And of course, right here in Orlando, where I'm based, it is a joy to have you along with us. You know, it's not every day that you talk to people who have friendships that last 50 years. It's especially not every day that you find someone that's been a friend and still in a close relationship after 60 years. Today's guest is Marilyn Emery, and she is the author, along with her friend Carol, and they have been friends for over 70 years. That is such a feat in and of itself, and I know the book was written because some of the health struggles that Carol's had. So first of all, let me just say to Marilyn Emery, welcome to my program. Thank you very much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about what part of the country you're calling in from. Well, I'm calling from Florida right now. We're in Naples, Florida, for the winter. That's right. You're one of our many snowbirds, right? Yeah, we are snowbirds, exactly. Yeah, where do you you reside in the summertime? And our uh, home is Grand Rapids, Michigan. I thought it was up north. Yeah, that's really great. And you're in addition to being obviously now an author, let me just say you have great, uh, great choice of decisions to be in Florida in the wintertime as opposed to Michigan. Much good. (laughs) That does much good for one's soul to be down here in this beautiful weather. Well, that's really, really great. And uh, so excited about this. I heard about you because this book is being published and it actually comes out. It came out on Tuesday. This will be heard on Wednesday, but I'm talking with you on launch day on Tuesday. And uh, it's actually coming out today, and it's being published by Higher Life Publishing, and that's our friend David Welday, and uh, he has been on my program a, a number of times. Really, really great people there, and they really take care of their authors in an amazing way. And I know that you are described, and I can already attest to it from the brief time that I've had you on the line, that you are a, this is the word, a joyful octogenarian. That is awesome. And your heart is to spread God's love, and you're doing that through your writing. So congratulations on a new book. Thank you so much. I I know that that's a big deal. You know, so many of us want to write books. So many more feel like they should write a book. But you and Carol got together and you actually you, you worked on it. And I know that uh, a, a lot of it, again, is about some of the illness that Carol has suffered. So before we get into all of that, though, tell me how this friendship of 70 years began. How did you meet Carol? Where was it? And what drew you guys together? Well, Carol and I are both natives of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we went to the same school from kindergarten through 12, and we met in kindergarten. Wow. We walked, yes, yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's where all of those years came in. And we walked to school together for many, many years. 
Uh, we went to college together. We, we just have a past that is amazing for two people. Yeah, and you know, during that time, most people, again, when they have a, a, a like you did, a childhood friend, and once past college, a lot of them lose touch. Were you guys ever separated in uh, distance from each other? Sometimes uh, a little bit, um, but we always kept connected through phones before we had all of this technology, and we would make sure that we would get out together for a lunch or do the fun things that young women like to do. Right, and you know, you have to work at it. To keep a friendship going for 70 years, that is nothing that's going to happen apart from some effort on both parts, right? That is right. And, you know, I came from a family of five children, and she was an only child. So I love to be at her house for the privacy, and she loved to be at my house for the noise. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, there are some good points that comes with a community of a large family. But there are those times, I'm sure, where you kind of wish you could just kind of get away for one of those uh, little bit of rests and reprieve from all the noise. But Uh, That's really great that even though you guys are different, and I think that might be another reason why the friendship has been so meaningful to both of you, because in a real way, you're not coming from identical backgrounds. There's some differences. That's correct. Yeah. So what was it? What uh, you you went to kindergarten together. What uh, what caused this friendship to endure so wonderfully? What would you attribute that to? I think we really cared about each other, and we shared so much when you think of all those years. And so much of our life uh, has has been uh, the same. You know, we we both had two marriages. We both had three children. Uh, we both ended up in Florida. She's about five miles away from me here and in Michigan. Uh, they recently moved, and they're about five miles away from us there. So it's it's almost like um, there's an interaction beyond us. <laughs> right. That, and, and there is interaction be, be beyond just the two of you, because as amazing as it is that you've had Carol for such a long time as a friend, you have uh, actually a bunch of other friends that have been mutual to you and Carol over the years. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, some of them went to uh, kindergarten with us at Lee School, and the others went to Godfrey School, which was an elementary, and then it fed into Lee School. So we met the other girls in eighth grade, and we started a uh, group. It was called a Horizon Club group. It was part of um, a larger group of, of girls, an organization, and... We just stayed together all through school and uh, throughout our college, our marriage, our families. And here we are, retired women, and we're still great friends. Now, you named this group. Now, you said that it was originally called Horizon, but I understand that it became named after a constellation. Tell us about that. Okay, well, when we wanted to name our group. We were thinking Horizon Club, you know, Campfire Girls. Let's keep it in the, in accord with that. And we looked at the constellations and we liked Draco because it not only represented the sky, but the stars. And we thought it was a perfect correlation. So All right. we became the Gra- 
Draco Girls. The Draco Girls, D-R-A-C-O. And I don't know that much about constellation names, but that is pretty crazy. And uh, just like the brightness of a star in the sky, I mean, that's how meaningful these friendships have been for you and Carol over these years. Again, 70 years. You know, I've got a great friend that I met, uh, and we are now celebrating this year uh, over 50 years of friendship. So I'm I'm about 20 years behind you, but I can tell you that's that's pretty special all by itself too. And I know the people that are listening, we have a lot of our uh, our uh, audience in the villages area are uh, retired as you are retired, and without a doubt they have friends and they're listening and they're keying up because. You know, they can relate. They can relate to friendships that last a long time. It's just so special when you hear about that happening. So what were some of the highlights of your friendship? If you look back, what would be some of the points of your friendship with Carol and these other women in the Draco Girls that you really look back and you think, now that was highlight? We had an awful lot of activities available to us. We liked to roller skate, ice skate. We swam in a local park. Some of us were in band or choir. We went to football, basketball games together, hay rides, um, you name it. And then, of course, there were the sock hops after games, and we would all go to the soda bar, a local soda bar, where we'd get cherry coke and listen to rock and roll music on the jukebox. So there were a lot of things to do. We could walk to our school, and our parents, many of our parents had also um, gone to school in the area, graduated. So there was a lot of camaraderie, not only between our parents and the kids, and some of us even went to church together. So, you know, we were like one big family. Now, we have mentioned up front that you're an octogenarian, so that means that you were affected by, without a doubt, your family would have been affected by the Depression, by World War II, obviously. But how did all of those things that were going on in the country, how did that impact your friendships? Well, I was without my dad for quite a few years because he was drafted into the Army. And so in our neighborhood, uh, the women who their husbands were fighting in World War II. They were Mm -hmm. over in Europe. They would get together, and consequently, the kids would get together, and we'd all uh, be together eating meals, playing games. So we became very united that way in our neighborhoods and with our families, our uncles. Many of our uncles were serving, and so we would be with our aunts and our cousins. And so it did. It, it really made for good interaction. Now, you said uh, that your your father was gone. So that that's a big deal, especially in that era of World War II. Today, soldiers can actually communicate via FaceTime. I mean, and that's the crazy differences that technology has brought. How often did you hear from or ever get to talk with your dad during those years? Um, I was quite small. I was only 18 months when Dad went in. I had an older sister who was about two and a half. But uh, we had a picture of Dad, you know, right on the living room table so that we could see him, and that was Dad. And uh, when Mom would get letters, which sometimes were maybe monthly, 
sometimes not so much depending on where, you know, they were located. Um, so I didn't really know my dad until he came home from the war. We met him at the train station, and there he was. He looked just like his picture. Oh, that's so good. So your first time of getting to see him and remembering him was that homecoming right there. That's right. Oh, my word. That is amazing, and I know that was a happy day. Now, before we leave this group, the Draco Girls, I've got to ask, I see there's a note here that you actually call yourselves a a similar name, but with a little added name among yourselves. Tell us about that one. Well, when we had fun, and we had a lot of fun, we lived close to Lake Michigan, and we'd go have beach parties, and we water skied. We were called the Draco Drifts. That's what we personally <laughs> called ourselves, and we, we thought it was real cute. We weren't really drippy. We were just a <laughs> lot of fun and enjoyed being together and, uh, you know, doing things, several activities together. So we became the Draco Drifts between us. I'm sure your relatives, your you know, your family, you had kids of your own. I'm sure that they look to this day a bit in wonder at the level of friendship that you've been able to maintain with these ladies. They do. And when there are happy times, weddings now of grandkids getting married, whatever, our kids are happy and excited. And once in a while, there's a passing somebody has died and they are sad right along with us because they know that these draco drips if we want to call them were wonderful wonderful sisters to us although we weren't blood yeah we certainly were sisters yeah sisters and closer than probably sorority members would actually be because this was not something that was an external thing drawing you together as much as it was just pure friendship right exactly Oh, that's so wonderful. And I I think that is such a good thing. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited, Marilyn, to talk about this, because I think friendships in this day and age, they aren't formed, even though there are people who are, let's say, on social media and they call their contact list friends. uh, There is a different definition out there today about friendship than what you have experienced in your life. I agree with you. And, you know, we have one sister who lives in Maryland, and she can't get back for many of the activities. But she says the minute she sees us, she just feels like she's never been away. So oh. that, again, tells you what yeah. what our um, uh, feeling for each other is. I think there's a true blue mark right there of friendship that is universal. When you have that kind of thing, and you might have been apart for a year or more, and yet when you get together, there's no awkwardness. Everything is just there. There's nothing but excitement, and boom, the 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 talk begins, and it doesn't end. I mean, that's a sign of real friendship. That's right. We had our school 100th anniversary just a few months ago. And Come on. People, and, and here we were. <laughs> we were together, all those who could be from our whole class and and all of the classes. But again, it tells you that what a close community it was, too. It certainly was. Now, this book, if you've just tuned in, friends, this book that we're talking about that Marilyn and Carol wrote is called The Power of Friendship. 
And uh, that is indeed something that is enduring in this lady's life. And uh, this book now is going to just really uh, make that a, a memorial forever. That, that that's go- Your kids, you've left them, uh, your kids and your grandchildren and generations to come are going to have this documented. And I think that's that's powerful in and of itself. So I know you're excited about leaving that for your family. Yes, we are. That's, and, and they are enjoying reading it, I have to tell you that. <laughs> well, I know they've got the early copy, as do I, of the book, and it looks marvelous. Now, tell us about the role that Carol's illness and her medical crisis that happened. How did that play into all of this? Well, just a little background. Um, uh, I had recently been remarried. My first husband passed away, and uh, my new husband was also a widow, widowed. And uh, so anyway, Carol stood up as my matron of honor at our wedding. And just months later, she suffered her stroke. Mm. So that in itself, you know, there was happiness with the wedding and, of course, sadness with her her stroke. Uh, she had an ischemic stroke while they were traveling. They were in New York, Syracuse, New York. Her husband called and said, Carol had the stroke. She was in the hospital. They were putting her in critical care for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it didn't take my husband Art and I very long to pack our suitcases. We drove to New York, and I had to be at my friend's side. Wow. So that's when I kept hearing on the way the word promise, promise in my head. And I was praying, Lord, you know, please keep Carol safe. I want to see her. I want her to live. Do your will. And when I saw her, of course, her appearance had changed a lot because she was paralyzed on her right side. She couldn't speak. She couldn't eat. But when I saw her and hugged her, a little tear came down one cheek. And all of a sudden, it was very clear to me what God was trying to tell me was promise. Uh, the next day, I went and saw her alone by myself without any of the husbands or her kids mm-hmm. there. And uh, I proposed to her that we make a vow to write our lifetime story because it was so wonderful that uh, we I was there for her. And I could tell she had the desire to live. I wanted her to live. I wanted her to comprehend again. I wanted her to be the old Carol she used to be. So that sort of set the um, framework for us to write a story. And I knew it would be a while before she'd be able to help me. You know, she'd have to go through all her rehab, but she made her 48 hours. She was, uh, took a private plane home to Michigan and did her rehab at Mary Freebed Rehabilitation Hospital. And she wanted to live, and I could tell it. And Hey, let's hold friend. that right there. Let's pick that story up. I'm up against a break. My guest is yep. Marilyn Emery, and we'll be right back with Marilyn. If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged, 
lunch with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people. Visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. My guest today is Marilyn Emery, and Marilyn and her friend Carol have written a book called The Power of a friendship and it dropped on Tuesday and this this book is a chronicle of a 70 plus year friendship and as we've already heard in the in just a moment ago uh, they have other women that they've been close with since young being young women uh, and going up and growing up through all of World War II and on beyond the things these ladies have seen and the friendship that they have enjoyed is nothing less than inspiring. But when we got came to the last uh, the segment before the break, you were telling us that when you went up with your husband to see her uh, and she wasn't able to talk initially, but you had that word that kept rolling over and over in your mind, and it was the word promise. And it came became clear that you guys were going to make a promise that you were going to document your friendship. And so, you know, something like that can give a person like Carol a little bit of motivation, right? I mean, that can be an excitement that can be something they reach forward for and even help them in their recovery. Am I right on that? You are so right. I wanted her to be able to comprehend things again. And I knew it would be a while, but I had an educational background and I think I knew how to maybe get her to get going again. Yeah, and get going she did. Now, she was able to get out of the hospital. You mentioned that she made it through that intensive critical condition period of 48 hours. And that really, for any stroke patient, that really is the telling time as to how they make it through that first couple of days. That gives uh, the doctors a pretty good idea of what kind of recovery they're going to have, right? Yes. And hers, would, would, would you say that her recovery, would it be textbook, or were there some bumps along the way? Oh, I think there were some bumps along the way, but you know what? She never gave up. She just, she wanted to be the Carol she used to be. And although she talked in just isolated words, um, I would say a word, and then I'd wait for her to respond, and then I would asked her if that is what she meant. So that's how we communicated at first. Mm -hmm. Now, with a friend like Carol, and it's very clear to me, Marilyn, that you have what would be nothing less than heroic patience. Number one, you you made the trip. You made the commitment to travel all the way to the the other side, the, the northern side of this country, a long distance away, and to be with her during that recovery being there was not the easiest thing on you either, I'm sure, because of just the uh, the efforts that it would take Carol just to even to speak. And like you said, words that are kind of isolated. Was her recovery, was it kind of slow or would it be at the pace that doctors hoped it would be? I think she was right on. Um, she had to be in a wheelchair at um, the rehabilitation center and she would shake her head no she did not want to she wanted to get around but she wanted to be able to walk and she found out she had to take baby steps and her one word that she used would be rebirth which meant she had to learn how to do everything over again yeah, right right 
And that includes, like you said, the most basic of movements, the most basic yeah. walking and talking and communication in other ways. I'm sure all of that was affected by this stroke and it sounded like it really ravaged her, her body, didn't it? Yes, she, she was very weak. And I must add that her husband, Chuck, was a marvelous influence on her because he, he was right there with her for all of her, um, you know, different sessions, her PT. He had to drive her to PT once she was released and they'd go maybe three times a week. And then when they did eventually come back to Florida, it was, you know, bringing her to um, physical therapy here as well and making sure she, uh, you know, exercised and did everything she was supposed to do. So it, it was a, a group thing. We all were rooting for her. Oh, my goodness, I bet. And I'm sure that the day that came when she was released from all of that rehab, that was a happy day, huh? Oh, wow. Yes, it was. Her children were excited, her grandchildren. And yes, it was a very, very great milestone for her that, uh, you know, she was able to be a person again. Right. Now, you uh, again, the idea that God gave you about documenting your friendship in this book and again, it is a book that is called The Power of Friendship. This idea, uh, it, it came in those early times when she was still in that critical condition, uh, and it just gave her such great hope. How did it be begin to materialize that you guys actually began writing this thing down in chapter form? Where and how did that happen? Well, uh, first of all, I didn't see a whole lot of her the first month because she was, you know, going back and forth for all of her medical rehabilitation and speech, uh, you know, learning how to speak all over again, a speech path. And uh, so once we got back to Florida, I said, park bench. And she shook her head, yes. And so she showed me where there was a park bench on a little lake. And we started doing our therapy together writing the book, I would interview her. For instance, I said to her, we're sitting on this beautiful park bench overlooking a pond. And I said, God. And she said to me, center. I said, do you mean God is the center of everything? And she shook her head. Yes. Oh, so incredible. this is how we began our communication just by, you know, one word in isolation and then two or three words. And then pretty soon I would write everything down and put it on my computer and read it back to her. I got her thinking and that was my, that was my plan. I wanted to get her comprehending and thinking and seeing that she was a part of something which would be a book someday. Now and you, you mentioned that you've had a background in education to, or some, to some degree an educational background. Did did that include any form of therapy training? No, I really didn't have the therapy. I I had the language arts, the speaking, the communication, and I think that is what helped me get her speaking and communicating again and wanting to be a part of the book. And mm. that was part of it was she wanted to please me. And I wanted her to get better. Yeah, and sure you did. And and I'm sure that you, if if she were to give this answer, it would probably be an uh, not an able to come up with figure on the percentage of 
how valuable your friendship was in her recovery. You're right. I took her out to a park bench just the other day to tell her about, you know, this interview. And uh, she laughed. She said, well, be sure to tell them that you would, I would call you teacher sometime and I would call you mother because you kept <laughs> on me. You know, I kept, I wanted her active. I, I kept on her. <laughs> That's great. So I knew when she said that, that she was at her wit's end, so we would stop. That's right. Oh, my goodness. What, what, what kind of condition is her speech in right now? To what degree is she able to talk now? Her speech is real good. Um, she compre- still comprehends rather slowly, and so it takes her a while to say exactly what she wants, but she can say her sentences, and she can talk and walk and eat, and yes, she has become a whole person over these years. Now, you mentioned paralysis. Uh, this uh, this thing can be a permanent thing. With some people, a lot of the paralysis goes away. Where would Carol be in that? Her right hand still is quite inoperable. Mm. You know, she does everything left-handed now. Um, she is walking, so her, you know, she has gotten that back. Um, you, she said her, her tongue didn't respond for a long time the way it should, and that's a big part of your speech. Yeah. So that took a while, and I noticed once in a while a, a word might be a little difficult for her, but just comparing to how she was, there's no comparison. She's just come leaps and bounds over the years. Well, congratulations on all the hard work that you put in, and again, your faith for her, I know that means the world to Carol, and, and that is great. When you look back at those park benches and wherever else you wrote together and spent time together in compiling the material that would become this book, what would be some of those favorite times or maybe a, a special, very precious time that you look back one that you will remember? I think we would try to go back to this one park bench. It was the first one we had ever been to. It was called Plummer Park in Florida. And we went back one year before we were ready to go back to Michigan. And we were on the um, park bench swinging, and our husbands were with us. We had just come from church. It was a Sunday. And they took a picture of us. And that picture means the world to me because I could tell, I could see the progress she had made over the years. Mm -hmm. How many years are we talking about for her recovery to this point? uh, Probably five, I would say. Wow. Probably about five at that time. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. That's, that's again, a serious commitment on, on your part. But that's what friends are for, right? I mean, that's it. That's what friends are for. And, you know, after I would uh, interview her, we'd always go for ice cream. We always <laughs> did that as children. Now you're talking. So that was the treat. We'd go have ice cream, and she always looked forward to that. We did it the other day when we met. So we're still doing it. Now, what are your favorite, yours and Carol's, what are your favorite ice creams? I've got to ask that. Oh, she usually gets the maple nut type thing, and I usually get the Mackinac Island fudge. It's uh, I don't know if you've heard of Mackinac Island in Michigan. Uh, oh, yeah, I but, have. Uh, 
Yeah, they have fudge there, and so they have a wonderful ice cream that has pieces of fudge in it, and that's mine. <laughs> well, you tell Carol that my favorite is butter pecan, so we're not that far away from each other on our favorite types, okay? I so, will. I will. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> love that stuff. It's uh, probably not that great for me, but I love it anyway. So <laughs> the joys of lifelong friendships, it's really something that people don't see from the beginning but they certainly see it as they get years into that friendship. When you look back, uh, like what you do, that has to, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you could write another book on just the kind of activities and memories that a 70 year plus friendship brings, right? Right. I certainly could. Uh, I think probably what I would include, and I think I did in this book too, is that our Draco sisters try to get together monthly for a luncheon. And Carol and I are gone part of the time, but when we're there, we look so forward to being together with these girls, or whether we're going out to a restaurant or to our homes. And uh, we've lost three of them. So, you know, these become dearer to us every time we go and every time we meet. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you've gone through things together, just like you've gone through this with Carol. You mentioned already that you've lost uh, a, a husband here, and so yeah. that that in itself is something that friendships, like what you're describing, are just so invaluable, and I'm sure they were a great encouragement to you. Yes, they were. Um, I lost my husband. Uh, we were both in our early 50s, and I had three children. And um, my friends were there for me, and I will be there for them as they're losing their husbands now at a little older age. But um, the friendship is just invaluable. Um, in a divided world as we have now, yeah, I think it even means more. It's a message to everyone that friendship is its priceless. It is priceless, and I agree with you, Marilyn, that in this day and age, you said the word that I would have used as well. We live in a divided culture, and it is sad to see it be so divided. Along with that division, it's almost like those that are choosing to go a different direction than what God would have them to go. They they often, not always, but they often have a hard time with even the basics of friendship, the way that you've understood it, because I'm convinced that a true friend has to have something uh, to to really go through what you've gone through. There's got to be a goodness that can only come from God in that. And I'm not saying again that that there aren't friendships that non-believers have. I know they do. But I think that we know, those of us that know the Lord and have a friendship like what you have, I think that's next level friendship. Amen. I go along with you 100%. Mm. I, I think that is so important to keep God at, at it all. Uh, you know, the, you mentioned these Drake, the Draco girls that are here now. Are all of them in the Florida area? Oh, no. Oh, no. Just Carol and I are in Florida. They used to travel. They'd go to Arizona or Florida, but uh, we're probably the only ones traveling now. Our friend from Maryland, uh, you know, comes into Michigan into the summer, but most of them have ceased traveling. So we look at it as a very, very wonderful opportunity for us to be together, but to be able to still do it. So they're spread out all over the place then. 
Uh, right now, most of the girls are in Grand Rapids suburbs. Um, four of us still live in our homes, and four of the girls um, live in the, uh, I guess you'd call it retirement homes. Mm-hmm. And um, then the others have, you know, passed on. So anyway, we're uh, not traveling as much or having as much adventure as we used to as a group. Are all of your friends believers as well? Yes. We all, like I said, grew up in this small area, um, southwest Grand Rapids, and all of our families uh, were church members, and we've stayed church members, and that in itself is a testimony, don't you think? I think it is, and how great it is that you had even that to share in common all of these years together. What a marvelous testimony that is. And again, we mentioned the fact that you have children, and when they have children, I mean, this just presents a big community of friendships that are going to be there. And even if they don't, some of their kids don't know some of your kids as well, they still share a bond that is very meaningful. And when we come back, I know that you've got a few stories about uh, some uh, maybe some of the embarrassing moments that you and Carol have had over the years, and maybe even with writing this book, as you recalled some things. We're going to hear about that in a moment. Marilyn Emery is my guest today, uh, the author of a book along with her friend Carol on the power of friendship. And boy, is it ever an important thing that we all need. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike on The Shepherd. Join host Mike Gilland for The Shepherd at Work. Every Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m., you will be introduced to a marketplace leader that will help you learn to walk out your faith wherever you live and work. The Shepherd at Work is sponsored by the Central Florida Christian Chamber, building kingdom, business, and community throughout our area. That's The Shepherd at Work, this Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. Back one more time now with Marilyn Emery on the line. Marilyn and her friend Carol. What's Carol's last name? Uh, Jennings. I needed to get that in there, Carol Jennings. And I didn't have that immediately up. I'd already kind of moved past it on my uh, computer here. Uh, Carol Jennings and Marilyn Emery, the authors of the book that is now out, Higher Life Publishing put it out, and it actually came out what will be for this hearing yesterday. On Tuesday, the book dropped, as they say, and how exciting it is to go through all the stages. I know that you, you've sat down over these years, what, five years, I guess, in the writing, right? Yes. Five years in the writing, and then you have all of those wonderful editing stages to go through, and finally it gets to in its final form, and that in itself is an exciting thing, and then it goes to print. So have you got a hold of a hard copy of the book yet? No, we, we just have the uh, paperback. All right. Well, soon you'll have the hard copy, and that's awesome. Now, I know it includes something I am most uh, interested in hearing, that there were a couple of embarrassing things that happened along the writing of this book. So tell me about that. Okay. Well, I said to the girls, let's get a little humor interjected here. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'll give you what happened to me. Um, I gave educational in-service meetings in our local Ken Intermediate School District, and I was all 
set to get out of the car and go in and give my in-service. And I looked down, and I had one blue shoe on, one navy blue, and one soft <laughs> shoe. And I thought, oh, I can't do this. So I ran home and got the right shoe, put an extra pair of shoes in my trunk so this wouldn't happen again. And so the in-service went on, and we had a little time. And I said, do any of you have senior moments? I said, I just had one today. I had two different shoes on, two different they, – they were the same shoe but just a different color, and they laughed, and it really warmed the group up. So that was what I used as a uh, introduction to the girls. And then we remembered when we were teenagers, Carol had her boyfriend's convertible, and it was a stick shift. She did not know how to drive a stick shift well, but we went downtown. It was after midnight. We were having a slumber party, and we decided to take a little spin downtown Grand Rapids. And uh, it, everything went along well until we got on Michigan Street Hill. Well, oh, yeah. the policeman stopped us. We were after um, a curfew, and he said, you girls head home right now. He said there was a shooting in one part of town or knifing or something. And we were frightened. We, of course, started back. Carol on the hill could not get the gears <laughs> to shift correctly. <laughs> oh, no. And we got thrown around pretty much in the car. It was kind of a jerky ride. And we were trying to help her with the shift and uh, the gears and clutch and everything. But anyway, we, we it's in the book, and we still laugh about it because she started to cry a little bit because she was so frustrated, and, and we were trying to be instructors and get ourselves out of there. So that was another one. That's wonderful. One more. Can I give you one Absolutely, more? Absolutely, yes. Okay, Donna. Donna. Um, was at her house and she forgot something. So she pulled back in the driveway. She forgot to put her car in gear and she ran in the house and she got out and the car was gone. It had rolled to an empty lot across the street. Praise God, nobody was in the way. And she thought somebody had stolen her car. So anyway, Donna is a good driver. And, and for her to share that with us, you know, that she had done that, we we got some chuckles out of that. Oh, so, that's yeah, great. Good, good group. We have fun. We can laugh about yesteryear and about things we still do. That sounds like so much fun. And I know that you have uh, a, a lot in your book about the whole process that is involved in getting older. I mean, you mentioned a while ago a senior moment. That happens to everybody. As we get older, we just need to embrace that and not be so concerned about it. I think there is such a an, an idolatry of youth and, you know, no one can hang on to you. That, that's just the truth. We're all going to get older. It's happened already to me. Uh, and it's going to happen to everyone. But you guys have really embraced that, and you even put that in the book. I have, because I think part of the reason we have stayed young at heart is because we look forward to the future. You know, we try to stay positive. We try to take care of our health our physical, our mental, our spiritual, we try to take care of it and we talk about it with each other and what we can do to stay active and how we can help help others. In fact, um, in the Bible, it says that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And um, I, I think that is what we are trying to do, to love each other and to love others and to be good witnesses for Christ. Now, you're in your 80s, 
I, yeah. if, if I've read that right. And I've, I've had a few interviews with people like that. I've had some people up here that uh, were in their 80s and they just looked like they were in their 60s. And I'm always interested. I ask this every time. How is it that you've kept yourself so sharp? Because clearly, even though we're not sitting in the same room, you're on the phone, obviously, but you're very quick. You're very sharp. You've got a wonderful sense of humor. How is it? What do you attribute that to? I think I love life. I had uh, my father. I, he was a wonderful father. And um, I just want to be like he was. Like he died at 93 as well. You said someone had died at My mother. Yeah, right. And. And he was just as bright as could be, and he prayed for every child, grandchild, great-grandchild, right up until the day he died. I mean, that's that's how committed he was, and I would like to be just like my father was. Wow, that's well said, and what an example he's given you to follow, and your description of your dad reminds me so much of my wife's dad, who was a pastor for years and even a uh, superintendent of his denomination, and just all the way up until he he was one that that sadly got uh, a, a case of dementia in his life, and and it was it was sad to see that happen. It was difficult, but you know, up until the very end of his life, what he did not lose was his love of Jesus, or his sharing the gospel with other people. He would sing in that hospital room. He would preach in that hospital bed to anyone who would come in the room, and he wanted them to know about the Lord. God bless him. That is wonderful. Oh, my goodness. How did your faith, how did your faith play the role in the writing of this book? Well, I think it was uh, my faith that wanted my husband and I to drive to New York to see Carol, um, I think God was speaking to me through his still small voice, trying to tell me to write this book and to present that to Carol. I got the uh, Draco girls to write in the book. Uh, they wrote wonderful, wonderful things. The book is divided into three, the past, present, and future. The past, of course, was growing up. The present is our um uh, retirement days, mm-hmm. and the future are all meditations for what we have to look forward to. And one of our classmates is a pastor, and he has written some wonderful, wonderful pieces for the book. So, you know, we're in this together. I think I had three of my male classmates write, and they're all just wonderful pieces because we are the age we are right now, and we know what we have to look forward to. Well, that's really great. What a wonderful outlook, you know, to accept the age that we are right now, because let's face it, we can't change that, right? I mean, that's the way it is. We're there. We're here. Uh, Brad Paisley, the country singer, He's, he has a line in one of his songs. He said, well, wherever we were going, we're here. <laughs> and that's really true. I laugh every time I hear that song because I think of all, all of the times I've said something like, well, I don't know where, I, where I'm ultimately going to end up. 
But but boy, oh boy, I can tell that wherever that was, it's right now. And that's where you are. Right now. And what an exciting time for you and Carol and all of the Draco girls, because this book is, is out. And I, I can only imagine how much fun it is going to be for all of them who have known the two of you all of these years to go back and read that. It's going to be tough for them to come to the last chapter. Do you ever cry at the end of a book? I do. I do too. It's it's sad. I'm such a wimp when it comes to that. I'm, I hate to admit that, but this is going to be one of those books that I think people will read it and they're not going to want to end it because it is just so good. And I know that you uh, you put your faith statement in there as well. And it is going to be something that may have some surprising evangelistic effect upon people who knew you guys and maybe didn't have the relationship, not only with each other that you've had, but maybe not with the Lord. And I'm trusting that God will use your book to reach out to these people. How can people get it? Okay. Um, They can get it through barnesandnoble.com. Barnes and Noble, okay. Through Amazon. And Walmart.com for starters. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah, they they can go to their local bookstore, and if they don't have it there, they can order it. And so we're hoping that people will. Absolutely. Well, that's the idea. And I know that you've got some of the biggest sellers going right there. I mean, just Amazon all by itself. So many people order their books now through Amazon, but also walmart.com. That's a great place. And Barnes and Noble. That's one of the few book sellers that's still out there in the malls. And that's really great. Glad they are Barnes and Noble.com, Amazon.com and walmart.com. The book is the power of friendship and tell us that subtitle one more time. Okay. The subtitle is lessons learned from lifetime friends. Lessons learned from lifetime friends. Now, one final thing, you have your own domain yourself. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Yes, I do. And it's in the very back of the book. And uh, it says visit www.marilynmemory.com. Just your name, Mm -hmm. marilynmemory.com. And people can contact you through there and and uh, maybe send you an encouragement. And of course, friends, if you order this book, it's it goes without saying that reviews are so important. If you'll read the book and then give it a positive review, that would help you so much, right? Right. And I look forward to hearing from the readers and I can answer their questions if they have any. And I want to hear about their stories and friendships as well. Well, you're a a friendship expert. If there's one that I've ever met before, it would be you, my friend. And you have done a great job of documenting something very special, something that we all need, something that we all desire, whether or not we're completely aware of that. We all need these kinds of friendships in our lives. And uh, you tell Carol that I said hello, and I'm just honored to be able to talk about the book and to put it out to my listeners. And uh, I just look forward to hearing how this book is going to do in the future. And I want to thank you for coming in and being a part of our program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It was enjoyable. Well, I've enjoyed it so much. Again, The Power of Friendship. Marilyn and Carol. Carol Jennings, 
Marilyn Emery. And that's about all of our time for today. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 